Welcome back to this fourth of five episodes where we challenge the institutional prejudice experienced by so many people carrying around a label of personality disorder. For those of you new to the series, I produce these as a response to the recent remarkably prejudicial personality disorder course description circulated by the Royal College of Psychiatry. The more people I talk with, the more issues that are raised. There are those of us who think the label of personality disorder is invalidating, an insult that compounds the abuse where we've already experienced, even though there seems to be little evidence to suggest that as a construct it is either valid in that it's an accurate description of what's going on for folk with the label, or reliable in that there's no guarantee that what one clinician sees as a personality disorder will be agreed upon by another. Apparently, the concept of borderline personality disorder was nearly dropped with the new International Classification of Diseases, the ICD-11, but there was such a stushy, that's Scots for furore, created by the researchers who'd invested years of their life on the construct that it was kept in, whether or not it was valid or reliable. I'd love to hear as many thoughts and comments on this as possible. The bigger the stushy, in my opinion the better. When I first received the uh, diagnosis label, I can't say I was delighted, but I felt an element of satisfaction in the knowledge that the, there was something more going on than the depression I'd been misdiagnosed with for, for years. But I'm getting off topic. The issue here isn't really if personality disorder is a thing or not. It's that people in distress are being vilified by many of the people charged with their care. And that's totally unacceptable. The issue around pills is a hot topic too. Very briefly, I've been taking one form of crazy pill or another for nearly 30 years. Not once did the prescribing clinician discuss the potential negative effects of psychotropic drugs with me. Not once. I have a strong feeling that the baseball bat around the head impact of quetiapine, an antipsychotic I took for around 16 years, really helped me in the early post-diagnosis years. But had I been informed about the class action being taken out against AstraZeneca in the States by people who developed type 2 diabetes as a result of taking the drugs, and no, not just because of the associated weight gain, I think I may have been less enthused about taking it in the long term. I'm not anti-medication by any means. I just don't buy into the taking psych pills is just like folk with diabetes taking insulin stroke chemical imbalance story, especially since I probably developed type two diabetes as a result of taking the drug. That said, I believe if I and zillions of people like me received the right therapy at the right, at the right time, then I'd have been an author, happily banging out my 20th, 20th novel, and we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But, and this is a huge but, no matter how compelling this argument is, we're missing the point. We are failing and judging vulnerable and distressed people on a massive scale. Our health services are massively and chronically underfunded and under-resourced. In the United States, with their hugely dysfunctional hybrid of a system, according to 2019 data, they spend $11,072 per person per year on healthcare. In the UK, that figure is the equivalent of 4,653. That's about 42%, significantly less than half of what they spend in the States. And that's before we even think about the two billion pounds that's being creamed off the NHS each year because of the spurious private finance initiative established by John Major and happily endorsed by Tony Blair and subsequent governments. This was a government mistake. Why does the NHS have to pay for it forever? Allow me some time to speculate here. I believe that the vast majority of people who find themselves in the caring professions did so because they believed they could do some good. Working in an environment where you lack many of the resources to do your good work, without support, where raising concerns, where we condemn the messenger and not the message, 
it's going to drive people more than a little nuts, isn't it? We know that putting people into more and more stressful circumstances can lead to emotional distress, don't we? My concern that in a world of competing emotional demands, where one campaign claims to be more important than another in a weird game of worthy top trumps, our needs will be somehow lost. We're already the bogeyman in the eyes of many. Why should anyone care? In this episode, Emma tells us about her experience of mental health services in England. During our conversation, she reads out a letter from her local mental health team. The sad, no, devastating conclusion to exposing herself to professionals. A one and a half page response to describing the effects of childhood sexual abuse and more recently domestic violence and reliving their horrors with a stranger. Here, once again, are the hateful words of the course advert. Personality disorder, PD, is a thorn in the flesh of many clinicians as, however they may wish to avoid managing those with such a diagnosis, those with a personality disorder label have a tenacious hold on the clinician. While only a small minority of PD patients actively seek treatment, although often in a dysfunctional manner, the majority avoid contact with health professionals, but nonetheless cause considerable distress both to themselves and those around them. The uncertain nature of the PD diagnosis and the unproven nature of its treatment results in psychiatrists being damned if they do, i.e. getting involved and then being blamed for the subsequent outcome, and damned if they don't, i.e. avoiding responsibility and hence being blamed for the subsequent outcome. This course is aimed to equip clinicians with a rational and defensive approach in the management of this group. Once again, I won't read out the course objectives here because since the, the foundations are, of the course are built on prejudicial hatred, any learning they claim to offer is utterly invalid. Who is the course aimed at? General psychiatrists in the main, but variants of this have been well received by other mental health professionals such as psychologists, mental health nurses, social workers, etc. Okay, um, I'm welcoming Emma into the uh, in, into my house, which is uh, quite quite novel for me because uh, normally I interview people over the Zoom. Um, so, hello, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to see you. So. Um, the reason I, I'm making this podcast is to get people to really to highlight the the, the, the course description that went out that, that was so stigmatizing from the Royal College of Psychiatry. So can you give me a, a, an initial feeling that that, that that gave you when you read it? Um, I, I wasn't shocked or surprised, to be honest. Um, Do you I, know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way I was treated has changed as soon as I got my diagnosis in right, writing. Right, okay. So um, I've, I first um, had psychotherapy when I was 21, um, which is oh, rubbish of maths, quite a long time ago, <laughs> about 20 years ago, 19 years ago. Okay. Um, so I had CBT to start with. Okay. And um, I got along really well with yeah, my yeah. psychotherapist. And it came to the point where I was saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And he said, you've got borderline personality disorder. Right, right. Um, and from then, the whole relationship with him changed. He wanted to send me off into a community in Birmingham, which at that point I had a young child that, that wasn't going so to So this was a, a residential therapeutic yeah. community? Yeah. 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 Um, then he basically said that he couldn't see me anymore because of the diagnosis. Because I also had a, before then, a diagnosis of rapid cycling bipolar. Right. Which right. he was happy to work on me with that, but wasn't happy to work with me as a borderline. So essentially you were the same person. I was the same person with the same <coughs> problems Symptoms. coming up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and it was, it was him that gave you the diagnosis? It was him that gave me the diagnosis, yeah. So a psychotherapist gave you a diagnosis mm. as opposed to a psychiatrist because um, I had a psychiatrist as well right but okay. he was he was the person I saw once a week right so right. Um, I didn't see the psychiatrist that often right um, they 
put me on all number of drugs, antipsychotics, um, okay, antidepressants, okay. mood stabilizers. So you've been through the system? Mm-hmm. Um, so when he said he wasn't happy working with me anymore, he referred me on to the DBT team. Right, okay. Um, it's supposed to be a one-year course. It took me three years to complete, which wasn't my fault. It's because the therapist kept giving up and leaving. So we'd have to essentially start again. Do you know, the, 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 the whole, I don't know, the whole system's bizarre, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I think... It, it is the stigma, it, 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 and it's interesting that that the whole your whole therapeutic world collapsed mm -hmm. as soon as as you were given this diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and and you were suddenly not able to access the things that you were able to access mm -hmm. because of the diagnosis. Yeah, because it was, and it, I felt <clears throat> um, if I hadn't have asked, yeah, maybe I could have carried on for longer. Yeah. So, so I blame myself in a way. Well, and that's ideal because that's exactly what they would like you mm -hmm. to do. They want you to blame yourself because uh, uh, that that anything else would require some reflection on their on their part. Are you able to talk a bit about what led you to getting therapy in the first place? Yeah. So I'd um, throughout my teenagers, I'd been on um, antidepressants and sleeping tablets. Right. I was living on my own at age 16. I think what happened, um, I had my daughter when I was 21. Right. And I think that becoming a parent, it just f flooded me with what I should have had from my parents. Right. And right. I couldn't cope with it. So I started, I'd, I'd been self-harming since about the age of 11, but it, right, got, it right. was getting very serious. Like there's always stitches and... I think... The, the, the thing that, the, that really jumped out in the course description for me was this kind of lack of acknowledgement that we're people mm -hmm. and that our behaviours are a result of usually neglect, mm -hmm. trauma, abuse. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, we are the, the, the group of mental health patients who, the, 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 the term applies don't ask what's wrong with me, ask what happened to me. Mm -hmm. I think that that describes us best. So <clears throat> you were saying that having a child made you suddenly realise where was my childhood? Yeah, where? and my feelings of protection and, um, you know, just overwhelming love. Yeah. Um, why wasn't I good enough to get that? And you didn't have that validation that... No, um... Uh, so, yeah, they sort of had to put me in the system because right. I was just constantly ending up in hospital. But you were seen as the problem as opposed uh, to the lack of love, compassion? Yeah, I, social services let me down when I was a child. Right. Um, I was sexually abused when I was six. Right, right. Um, my parents said it was false memory syndrome, but now, they've, now they believe me since he's committed suicide. <laughs> uh, so... Sorry to hear that. I mean, that's just horrible, and 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 to have that invalidation is bad enough. It mm -hmm. happening. I think invalidation is the the key word, really. Yeah, yeah. For how I've always felt, and it did get a lot worse after the diagnosis. Even my treatment in hospital with the self harming. Some people would refuse to use anaesthetic. Um, some people would just stick a load of glue in, knowing that it would open up, and then I'd have to have debridement treatment. So people wouldn't use anaesthetic when they were the stitching. stitching you up. Yeah. Um, and, and would they say why? They wouldn't. They wouldn't ever ask what's brought you here tonight or what's what's led you to do this. Yeah. It was um, fix her up, sometimes in a brutal way, right. and get me out of there. There was there was hardly ever any follow ups. Sometimes uh, the crisis team would be called and they'll say, we'll get in contact with her. So the assumption was that you'd self-harmed to hurt yourself. No, I think they thought I, I was doing it for attention. And, but, you, and I really wasn't. So they were punishing you? Yeah, I was being punished again. Right, <laughs> right. And the only reason you'd gone in because you'd self-harmed in mm -hmm. a way that, that required medical help. Yeah, I, I can't say that maybe it's because I was a repeat offender. They 
um, got sick of me, or whatever it was. Oh, the borderline attention-seeking, manipulative. All those labels. Yeah. That, uh, those assumptions that are, mm-hmm. that, that are thrown at you. Um, well, even the professionals. Oh the, God. That, oh. Um, piece of writing. Yes. Actually. Absolutely shocking. Absolutely mm-hmm. shocking. And. And, and that sort of stands out for a lot of people. I've spoken to a lot of people about this. I've spoken to people online and, and face-to-face. And nobody's surprised. So um, I, d- I don't know if you do Twitter. Did, did, did you see the, the apology? No, I didn't see the, the apology. The, the president of the Royal College of uh, Psychiatry, he apologised and said in future he will they will do courses where people with personality disorder will be involved in the development and that's been met with a lot of anger because people are saying you know we're not surprised this happened and you know you're not just apologizing for the course you're you should be apologizing for the treatment Mm -hmm. of us in all that time forever yeah Uh, and people are being offended that people aren't accepting the apology they're saying that people should accept that the apology and that we should be grateful that he's apologised and that um, it takes maturity for people to um, accept an apology. So now we're immature as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's further trauma, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I, I, I don't know where to go with that. I am, you know, as a group of people, I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is raising awareness, trying to get people's stories, just to say that the this course description is really the least of our problems. So you you were sexually abused at mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. Your family around you denied it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a bit more about that, or do you want to talk a bit more about that? Um, I'm fine talking about it. I wasn't allowed to in right. therapy, though, because right. they said um, that I wasn't strong enough to be able to. So despite me wanting to, um, they said it was a CAT therapy, and I was, I was denied access to that because so. I wouldn't be able to emotionally handle it. So right. I had to try and deal with that myself. How do you divide that up? Abuse and people denying that it it happened, and then you weren't allowed to talk about it in therapy. There's this kind of weird notion that we can divide ourselves up into this. I mean, how were you supposed to remove the part of you that was abused? That that's what I was trying to say. It all links in and it all adds up to create the story. It's not. Um, I don't see how they can miss out events and get the full picture. So what were they working with? Um, my behaviours, changing my behaviours. So, I don't know, it feels like having an iceberg and mm-hmm. you, you can just see the little tip coming out of the water and they're saying, we're going to work on that and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll file that down and then everything will be fine. And yeah, I purely d- your behaviours. Yeah, and I felt... Um, again, I wasn't, I wasn't being listened to, um, I was being invalidated, uh, I also, I, they wouldn't let me, I wanted to access, um, medical hospital records from when I was a child, and they said, oh, you have to take it to court, I was denied access to that, and I just thought, that's my information. It is your information. But, No. Certainly when I was in Scotland, they do do things differently. Mm-hmm. They, they saw that as your, it, it belonged to you, your, your records. Were, Again, uh, they said it would be too traumatising. So, How incredibly patronising is mm-hmm. that? So you, you're somebody who wasn't able to control yourself? or Wasn't able to control myself and I felt right. like I had no rights again. I was, I was that vulnerable child again. No one was listening to what I needed. They were telling me what I should do. Abuse after abuse after mm-hmm. abuse. That's, that's what it felt like. Even some of the therapists, some of their, their comments were just awful. Um, not just to me. Uh, there was a lot of... Well, in fact, it was all women in my group. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, some of us were told, well, you'll never be able to have a relationship. And some of us were told, well, you're only good for one thing. Um, and our physical appearancing 
appearances being right. noted. Oh, a guy might want to chuck you over a car bonnet, but he won't want a relationship with you. And unless you change your behaviour, you won't have any friends. And this was a therapist? Yeah. She, she left not long after. I, I had three different therapists leave. What, what job did they go into, do we know? I don't know. I, I guess... Um... Something more suited like abattoir work. Or... <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's... I mean, I, I hear stories like this regularly, and, and it's shocking, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's... We were told we weren't allowed to be friendly with people in our group, outside of the group. Right. Um, we weren't allowed to... Obviously, I understand about leaning on people for support when Bound, they're struggling yeah. Yeah. themselves. Um, but, you know, you, you finally find some people that seem to understand you and understand how you feel, and you're told you're not allowed to talk to them. And they've got similar stories to you. Yeah. And, um, um, as, as is, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it feels like the system is set up for the system. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to tick boxes, maybe. So, you even during so this was DBT group, mm-hmm. group yeah, dialectical behavioral therapy, yeah, at which St. Michael's it, Hospital, which is supposedly set up for people with with mm-hmm. with borderline personality disorder, and it's supposed to help help us and and get us to a place where we can be functioning members of society. Mm-hmm. Um, so during during that DPT, were you able to reflect on what had happened to you? That, that was what brought you. Not there? really. It was it was coping skills, right? Um, which some of them were good, and um, things like one thing that always stands out to me is when they say, you know, you, you can't balance the scales, you can't control someone else what yeah, they yeah, put in, yeah, so yeah. you have to put less in yourself. Right. Or, right. Um, I'd like to maintain healthy relationships and things like that. But no one in the group I was with could do, they have a part of it called radical acceptance. Right. And we, we couldn't accept. They said, it's not saying it's okay what happened to you, but you have to accept it happened. And none of us really could. So I don't know how we all passed the course. <laughs> so it sounds, sounds almost like denial. Yeah, just forget about it and move on. Don't speak about it because yeah. you're not emotionally strong enough. But um, try and push it to the back of your mind. If it comes to your mind, do a bit of mindfulness. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the crisis team when they say, well, if you had a cup of tea, why don't you have a bath? Yeah, because yeah. that, that makes everything better, as, as, as we know. That a cup of tea in the bath cures mm-hmm. everything. So we've got a backdrop of this people with with BPD um, even the therapy you're saying is abusive and traumatizing and invalidating mm-hmm. um, and, and behavioral behavioral so they're, they're trying to change your behavior yeah. is, is, is that what the sole focus was yeah definitely so um, I guess a bit of it managing emotions but I, I still didn't manage to do that. When my emotions hit me, they, yeah, they yeah. just flood in. Um, and it's it's crippling. Yeah. Cripplingly painful. I, yeah, I, 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 I know that feeling. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, and it's it's horrible. And, and what you need, or what I need, situations like that is pretty much a dark room and somebody who loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's it. You know, it's, it's not... Not to be treated like a nuisance. Yeah. Or to be waiting and waiting for finally the crisis team to phone back and they, they sometimes they don't. They, it's like a, a rejection yeah, as well, yeah. which obviously is one of the, the traits that you have. You have a strong fear of abandonment and rejection and that's what they seem to do. The therapists leave you, that's abandonment. Um, crisis team don't get to you. But all, all, all of your emotions, all of your reactions are seen in the context of borderline personality disorder, though. And it's, again, it's re-traumatizing. It's, mm-hmm. it's you, you know, you would be like that because you've got borderline personality disorder. Not our system is shit. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. there's no reflection that, that what they're doing to you is, is in any way down to them. 
So everything is your fault. Yeah, definitely. Because you've got borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing they can do. That's that. I just feel like that system's given up on me now. Anyway, oh, we tried this and we tried that, and sorry, you're just left to it now. Hopefully, you'll be successful and cure yourself, and then you, our statistics would be a bit better. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is that where you you're at now? You you. My last contact with the crisis team was in November. Right. Um, I really did set out to kill myself. I was going through a court case, domestic violence. Right. Um, it was a really, really hard time for me. Um, so sounds hellish. So, yeah, I, I got referred to them by my GP because I was, all my, pri all my care now is through my GP medication and right, everything. And right. She's fantastic. Okay. She's really lovely. Um, she did a welfare call to the crisis team, Refuge, the domestic violence charity, they did one. After speaking to me, they were really concerned right, right. about me. Um, so I heard from the crisis team and I was told a referral was being made to us from your GP and we'll, we'll phone you next week and see how you're doing. And then two days later they phoned me and said, oh, we've had a referral, so you're now under our care. And I said, but I'm already under your care. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I think a few weeks later they said, well, we're, we've, we've put you down for a mental health assessment to see how we can help you. And I got the appointment letter for it and that was for January. Right. Um, and so I did my assessment and I literally got a letter this week saying we can't, we've decided we can't help you in any way. I've got the letter with me. <laughs> Do you want to read it? Yeah. Um, I think this is the most recent. Oh, yeah. So you can, you can see the date on there. It was written on the 29th of March. Sure. And the assessment was on the 14th of January. They've rushed it through, obviously. Wow. It's the, you know, someone in crisis. Yeah. That's it's a long time to remain in crisis for. It's, it's, it's bizarre i mean just to talk to my, my situation um my gp referred me to the the crisis team the uh, community mental health team in a crisis uh, and uh, about two and a half years ago and they assessed me after six months now and then i didn't get any service for two and a half years and i didn't get mm -hmm. anything um but the the interesting thing was Afterwards, I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And the care I've had with type 2 diabetes has been marvellous. I was seeing specialists within two weeks. I was on courses. I was getting offers of treatment, support. Um, the, the, the diabetes nurse said something I'd never heard as somebody with uh, borderline personality disorder. She said, call us anytime. <laughs> so so the, the argument was that diabetes is a life-threatening condition but borderline mm -hmm. personality disorder I, I would argue at that time was far more life-threatening mm -hmm. yeah so the, the the stigma the prejudice is is rampant so if you don't mind reading your letter where, where they got back to you following from what you said actually um, I was told in the meantime to phone Mental Health Matters, which I think is an independent charity. Right, right. But you're only allowed to phone them once a day, and it's a timed, I think maybe 15, 20 minutes. Right, right. So only once a day, that's, that's your support. Um, so that was in the meantime of getting this letter. And um, they said, upon the outcome of your assessment, we you have not been deemed suitable for DBT. I don't know whether that's because I had had it before, or right, right. suddenly I didn't need it or managing emotional skills group, which I've never had that, and maybe that would be handy, I don't know. Um, I could self-refer to Change, Grow, Live uh, for justice and well-being, which I only knew them as a uh, drug and alcohol charity. And I have been told before, actually, you know, sometimes sometimes I do drink right, to right. Um, numb myself a sure, bit. Sure, sure. Um, so I've been told like, oh, just say you're an alcoholic, not not a borderline. Right, right. <laughs> um, and yeah, self-refer to victim support. 
and self-refer to SafeLine. Right. Um, so it's just all self-refer, we will now discharge you from the community health and wellbeing team. So we can't do anything. We won't do anything and any medication remains under the care and guidance of your GP. So I, it's I, just passing the buck, really. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I used SafeLine and I got free therapy for a year and a bit and they were outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. What's the waiting list for them? I had to wait nearly a month. That's not too bad though, actually. <laughs> they, they, they assessed me in two weeks and mm -hmm. and I waited a month and then I was, I was matched with somebody who was just out of this world. Well, I might, I might try them because it would be nice to have a good um, sort of, you know, a therapy that I felt was right for me. I didn't feel, it made me feel worse. They're really. not interested in, um, certainly my, my diagnosis. My, they're not even remotely interested in the diagnosis. They couldn't be less interested. Uh, they were interested in the fact that I'd been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. um, because that's that that's that sort of specialism that they uh, support people who were victims of childhood sexual abuse, and isn't it great that you you've uh, achieved that that you? It's it's horrible, isn't it? That that to get a good service, you terrible things must have, have, yeah. have happened yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you I, don't deserve it. If what a cold, cold letter that is. Yeah. Um. It's and and for them to suggest that that course description was something that was out out of the out of the ordinary. <clears throat> it's just dishonest, isn't it? I don't I don't know how they can say I'm not deemed suitable when it's set up for borderline personality disorder. Yeah, I've got per borderline personality disorder. Do I only get one shot at it with three different therapists and the whole place is a mess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they sound chaotic. I engaged with it and yeah, that was one yeah. thing they always used to sort of try and pin it on people. Yeah. Oh, well, if you fully engaged, you yeah. wouldn't be having these problems. Right. And right. I did fully engage. So constantly blaming you. Yeah. Constantly blaming you and... and, and it... it, it the, the system needs tearing down. It really does. And they need to start again. Yeah, I think so. I'm delighted you've got a, a great GP. But, yeah. But that's a roll of the dice, isn't it? It is, yeah. And my GP before, I mean, I've been really lucky with my yeah. GPs, actually, mm. because um, basically I had, I had a support worker. Right. I had a psychiatric nurse. I was in DBT. DBT yeah. finished. Um, so then I was, my psychiatric nurse was taken away, my psychiatrist was taken away, and my support worker was taken away, and I was dumped on my GP. And they said it was because of funding. Well, but just because DBT had finished? Yeah. Everything finished? Everything finished. So you, you went from having at least two weekly sessions to now you have no one. And they were saying it was because of cuts? They said funding cuts, yeah. Bloody hell. So, again, I was really lucky with my GP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, where you now? You're being supported by your GP mm -hmm. and, and, and they're twiddling with your medication. and. I actually um, made the decision when they cut me off from everything to come off all the medication. Sure. Because I'd had an instance before it, and it was, a, it was an antidepressant called sertraline. Yes. And I said to my psychiatrist, this is making me worse. Yep, yep. And she just kept up in the dose, up in the dose, till I was on the maximum dose, right. and I ended up having a psychotic break. Right, right. Um, so I took myself off all the medication, and then they took the credit for it. Wow, <laughs> wow. Oh, we told you, you should do that. So I have um, sleeping tablets now, I've, I've been on them since I was 15. Right. And my GP's really understanding, I've been sent to sleep clinics and things. Yeah, and yeah. They say, oh, eventually you'll fall asleep. Lack of sleep doesn't kill anyone. Well, actually, I didn't fall asleep in three days, mm. so I'm on Zopclone for life now. That was one of my big problems, is, is not sleeping. Um, 
I remember being really bad and not sleeping for six days. Mm -hmm. And you can be quite mad. I, it sends me manic when I don't <clears> sleep, <throat> which is um, more dangerous, I think, than being depressive. Because it's, it's, it's a weird sensation. I don't know if you, if you experience it. You've got a body that's absolutely exhausted mm -hmm. and your brain's going, yeah, but yeah. what about this? This yeah. is really interesting. What? What are you doing? Yeah. <clears throat> um, so that's, I have accepted that. I have accepted that. But I think maybe that's linked to, you know, sexual abuse as a child. When you're asleep, you're vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah. no one's ever looked into that, though. No. It's well, just no. like, let's test her if she will go to sleep. Oh, no, she won't, so but we'll no, give her drugs. But, but nobody's looked into anything. No. Everything they've looked at, you know, from the DBT to the cat, it's, it's been looking at your behaviour mm -hmm. and not looking at, what brought about your behaviour? Yeah, the cause. The, of... and, and, and look at you know, how you got to where you are today. And that's mental, isn't it? Well, I think to understand something, I'm, I just feel, I feel silly because when I got the diagnosis, I was happy. I went and read up about it and I was like, that's me, that's yeah, me. And it yeah, gave yeah. me a reason. But then it suddenly <clears throat> turns that's really bad because now you're being treated differently. Yeah, yeah. And, and did you feel the sort of tone in people, the way people treated you just changed? Yeah, there was no patience there at all. Right. But, um, it was cold sometimes, like I say, even just in um, A&E, having that on my hospital notes. Um, I only had one, one nice surgeon. Right, right. And he, he was just... Yeah, he was just understanding. But it's bad news when, when the good person sort of stands out, when you, you would expect that to be a matter of course, that, that people would just look after you because, what's the word I'm looking It's their job. Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to be in the caring profession. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, sometimes, I mean, to make someone feel worse when they're feeling that bad anyway, I don't understand that sort of person anyway, but I don't think they should be in that profession. No. I mean, uh, I spoke to somebody about the, the course description going out, and they, they were saying that um, it was almost a, a breach of trust that the um, email had been shared with Twitter because, because you know, this is a private communication. And I, I, I think the opposite is true. I mean, it, it, the mm -hmm. fact that it, you, they're exposed, finally, you know, those attitudes are, are exposed. It, but like you say, with someone with um, diabetes, they wouldn't make you wait for treatment. <laughs> they, how, is, how is a physical illness different from a mental illness? Because it's, it's as little as your fault as yeah. a mental illness. But it, it's it's not just a mental illness it's yeah. that mental yeah. illness it's yeah. it's the personality disorder uh, so your your future is continue to be supported by your my GP, GP. yeah you're going to get in touch with safeline yes i i will <clears throat> um, i will and, and i you know i hope they be they're every bit as brilliant with mm -hmm. you as they were with me and they they were they're startlingly good well, they can't be worse than DBT. So. <clears throat> no. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you think we should be doing? What what can you know? What what call to action should we be sort of shouting out? Well, it's not fair. Is my immediate, and I know that sounds really childish. But it's not. But how can they get away with it? Yeah. Because we are human beings, and we're being treated less than human at times. Yeah. Um. Well, we're. I sort of think, you know, if, if you get any person on the street and you stick a label on them and say, and assume that everything that they do is either manipulative or attention-seeking, mm -hmm. then everything they do will be manipulative yeah. and attention-seeking. <clears throat> and there's no escape from that. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of the world that we're in, is yeah. that, that there is no escape from that. Once people have decided that that's what you are, then that's... Yeah, which is why it's good, um, my relationship with my GP. Yeah. She would tell you that I'm the opposite of that. Fantastic. I'm very open, I'm very honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it, 
it is nice that some people do see past the label to the person. And that's all I'd, I'd want to be seen as a person, not a label, especially not a derogatory label. What I want to do, and, and it's sort of, again, it's from talking to people like you and, and trying to get to a point where, because I think raising awareness is one thing. Um, but even when awareness is raised, people go, well, that's not me. I don't care. You know, it's, I'm not totally mm-hmm. worried about that. I, I want to do something. You know, when the president of the Royal College of Psychiatry is saying that, that we'll involve you in our training, I think we should be developing our own training. Mm-hmm. I think, and if we want, we can invite them, but we don't <laughs> have to. But we should be allowed funding to produce mm-hmm. something, a mandatory training that is on psych nurse courses, that's in psychiatry, that's in psychology, that's in social work, the police, um, any medicine, really, because you know they're, they're going to come across, especially accident and emergency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And only then will things start to change. And that training has to be mandatory and it has to be delivered by us for us. And the other thing I want to do is this, cor- this course was going to run at, on June the 10th at the Royal College of Psychiatry in, in London. And what I'm trying to do is, is gather as many people as I can to go there on that day as many of us as possible, mm. and do something. So if you, I don't know what to do. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what the plans are. I, I, you know, so I'm inviting people to a party that I don't even know what my plans are. Um, and, and, and it's not just people with our label that I'd want to go. It'd be, it'd be other people that, that, who interested parties, I guess. Mm. Is there a way to <clears throat> make it an invitation rather than a... A possibility for rejection. <laughs> <laughs> How do you As it front by them. Um, if they're planning on running this course, wouldn't it be nice for them to invite? Yeah. Well, well some people with well, what's, personality well, well, what's happened is the course has now been closed. Okay. Um, they, they, they've decided they're not going to run it, but I still think we should turn up on mm-hmm. the day, and you know, part of me just wants to take the piss out of them because, you know. This is worthy of absolute ridicule, you know, because what they're doing to people and how they're seeing people is is unhuman. Is, inhuman is pathetic yeah. as well. It's it's you know it says more about them than it does about us. Yeah, well, it shows there's no understanding there. So how are they supposed to develop courses when they yeah. they don't understand? And and no desire, you know, if they're mm-hmm. describing us as a thorn in their side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, that, that. How can you even start a, a therapeutic relationship with that belief? You know, that, you know, any relationship. Yeah. If you bump into somebody in the street and you think this person's going to be a pain in the ass, um, yeah, they're waiting for yeah. the acting out. And yeah, yeah. Maybe even prompting it at times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, is there anything you want to say specifically that, that you know, I, I haven't asked you, I haven't talked about that, you know, that needs talking about? Um, I, I will say another, um, the police have always been really good with me as well. That's Do you know, that's interesting because likewise, the police were always brilliant with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got more care and compassion from them than where they took me to. <laughs> Uh, but I do think funding cuts have been, I've seen a big difference. Uh, right, we used right. to have the crisis house in Leamington, which I found invaluable at times yeah, yeah, yeah. for keeping me safe. And they've sold that. Um, people are shipped all over the country, yeah, away from yeah. anyone like their partners or anyone that they need. And it's hugely expensive. It's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... So they say, on one hand, we've got no money. And on the other hand, they're sending people to these residential placements in specialist units which aren't special well the only thing that makes them specialists is a little sign over the door saying we're specialist and charging 250,000 a year or, you know. mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people as well that I've met either through self-harm 
network. Yeah. Or um, obviously the DBT group, I did stay friends with them. <laughs> you rebel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and everyone's trying to get their diagnosis changed to, uh, what's the... Complex PTSD. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone is trying. Um, one of my friends was actually chipped away to an inpatient um, and they refused to change it and she ended up killing herself because she couldn't live with the stigma of the label anymore. And I must admit, me, myself, sure, I tell people sure. that I've got rapid cycling bipolar. Yeah. I don't tell them I've got borderline personality disorder. Bloody hell. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's shocking that, that we're having to say, you know, we've got exactly the same symptoms and, and say, give me a different... Yeah, a and, different and, label. And again, psychiatrists I've spoken to have said, well, all treatment that we should be giving to people should be trauma-informed. But it's not. You know, borderline personality disorder right from the get-go doesn't mean anything. You know, it, it, mm -hmm. I know they try to, um, some people have got uh, emotionally unstable, but yeah. it's still a personality disorder. Yeah, it's, a, it's, mm. it's, it's borderline by another name, mm -hmm. is, yeah. is really all, all it is. And, and it's got personality disorder at the end, which means as a result of being abused, neglected, um, invalidated, they've located that in you they've decided that yeah. you are the one that's disordered as a person my and, personality is disordered yeah. and that's so i'm not a person and and i'm <laughs> not what happened to you was disordered mm -hmm. you know there's there's so little acknowledgement of of that which is and it does feel like a lot of blame as well um even the you need to learn how to manage your emotions yeah 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 pull yourself together yeah and it feels it's just judgment. There's no compassion. It's just judgment. No, no. And and again, without. I mean. So you're saying you've got to this age, mm -hmm. and you've had no proper talking therapy to explore what happened to you. I I had the cognitive behavioural therapy again. Behaviour. Um, another the DBT. Another behaviour therapy, yeah. and it was um, basically control taken away from me by saying, no, you're not ready to talk about that. Even though I said I would like to. No, we don't, we think it would be harmful to you. So more invalidation, more mm -hmm. stigma, or... It's, the, the situation's desperate, it's, it's, it's gospel. I really, I, I believe that Safe Line will, will, will fill in a gap that, that you, I think you... But like you say, it should be, um, there, there's, that's specific to victims of sexual abuse. They don't care what diagnosis you've got. They care about helping you. Um, and it would be good if we could have a, especially for borderline personality yeah, disorder, yeah. but about helping you and not about labeling you, judging you, basically prompting you to act out. Yeah, or yeah. anything you do, it's because of this, it's because of that. Yeah, well, yeah. actually, no, I was, you know, some of the things I went through domestic violence how was that my personality disorder yeah which yeah. was the problem it wasn't my personality disorder no, it was no. the abusers yeah. who i mean the justice system didn't let me down right but it was horrible yes. to go through <laughs> I, I can imagine that was a lot like being abused again yeah um, yeah well the police i know innocent until proven guilty yeah but the innocent are the ones who are you know so many witness statements have to be given sure. you have to justify yourself all the whole time and there's that risk there that in the end there won't be a guilty plea yeah, and that's yeah. a big another big invalidation someone saying we don't believe you yeah yeah and that's what it's felt like a lot I mean emotionally life. that must have felt like a hell of a risk for you going, going it, through that it was and I did I did it mainly for other people to protect future um people who might might get in relationships with sure um, and so I'm, I'd be willing, I've kind of, I've had it stamped into me now. I've given up on myself, getting myself mental help. But if I can help someone in future get better mental help, then... Do you have a network of friends, family that, that you lean on now? Every, everyone has let me down through everything hard I've been through in my life. So not just services, right. friends as well. 
You know, I've, I've begged, I've absolutely begged, which uh, I'm quite a proud person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even going into the court, my, the day before the trial, um, my refuge worker said, oh, I won't be able to come with you, we've got a meeting. So I walked into court on my own. I had no one to go with me. So I had, I had some notion that you would have had support around you, that, but that just wasn't the case. No, my friend the other day, I, I had a really hard day the other day. And um, she did, she just went on to tell me, oh, well, I'm really lucky because, you know, I've got a really supportive family. And I just thought, that, how's that help? How could she even think that helps to hear that? <laughs> yeah, so, <thanks. laughs> yeah. Oh, OK, well, good for you, but I yeah, haven't. So yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently falling to bits. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but it is hard because it does it does impact on new relationships. I never lie yeah, yeah. about my mental health, um, but sometimes I do. I like, hear the first hurtful sentence, and I won't hear anything else. Right, right. So it will seem like I've just blown my top, and my head does blow. Right, right. To be honest, and then then I feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like oh, normal people wouldn't react like that. But you know, if you think you've been sort of pressing this down all the time through your life, it's it's not surprising that occasionally it'll it'll blow out. Mm-hmm. Um, and surely, you know, if you can have a talking therapy, which is more like a sort of pressure cooker, gradually releasing yeah. it. Yeah, rather than explosions. And validating <laughs> it as well. Yeah. Because imagine you go from blowing your top to guilt and shame. Yeah, exactly that. Sort of in this, almost in the same breath. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the validating, I think that's why I do lose my cool because I know how something feels to me and I try and explain it. Yeah. And then, yeah, if it, well, other people wouldn't feel like that or just questioning, not just acceptance. Okay, you feel like that. Well, one thing I want to say is is that you know you live near me now and and we know each other on online so you know and you know that I'm mental a lot of the time but but <laughs> but, 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 but you know be in touch you know because we have similar symptoms we we mm-hmm. have those things and and you know uh, and and I think you know I think understanding can really help yeah I guess. which is why I didn't understand why they said in the DBT group we we're not allowed to be in contact. So we're supposed to sit there with them once a week and share all our stories, have a little break, and we can talk about whatever we want in our break. And then after that door closes, you don't see each other for a week. And actually, we were, like I say, I'm still friends with the people, and that's um, so for 15 years. Sure. And none of them has sent me down. I've supported them when I can and they've supported me when they can. It becomes a a proper community. Mm -hmm. um, When when I was first diagnosed uh, 16 years ago, um, probably like you, you you look online, you go, you you look for anything, don't you? Um, And I found uh, a group of people who met up regularly in Edinburgh. I was living up up in Scotland at the time. And they... um, There were a group of people with borderline personality disorder who who met up regularly, and and I went to my psychiatrist and said, "It's great that I've found these people. They meet up regularly," and she said, "No, she said you you must stay away from these people. These are very very sick people." And I'm thinking, "Hold on a second, you're talking about me." Yeah. Um, and going to that group, because obviously I did go to the group, who called themselves the Meadows Book Group, where we, whenever we met up in a, usually in a cafe somewhere, they were fucking marvellous. They mm-hmm. were some of the greatest humans yeah. I've, I've ever come across in my entire life. Awesome sense of humour. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, intelligent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, I was just talking to one person who, Naomi, you know, I, I was... I, she's been a friend of mine now for those 16 years and, mm-hmm. and she helped pull me out myself and it literally saved my life and you know if I'd followed what the psychiatrist had said I wouldn't have had her in my life mm-hmm. 
And that's... But like you say, even her saying that she's a <clears throat> really sick people, she's telling you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> saying, you're, you're dangerous. You're, yeah. a, you're a dangerous person. You need to keep away from people. <laughs> yeah. What books have you read on borderline personality disorder? Any, anything nice? Um, no. Uh, I liked your book. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Great plug. Yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, walk a mile, tales of a wandering loon in in uh, in all terrible bookshops, in all good bookshops. No, the, probably the best book that I I came across was a, a book called the the BPD Survival Guide. Okay. Um, I'll send I'll send you a link um, later on today once once you've gone. Um, I have actually been discouraged as well from reading books like that because I've been told I will mirror things that I read. Um, oh my God. So yeah, I've I've stayed away. But so the only book I've been told is good is the Marshall Einem, um DBT. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you 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 want something a bit more than that. Um, the BPD. It, it, the thing I liked about it, and I you know I haven't read it for a long time, is that it's non-judgmental, and mm. in fact. It, it, it feels like it goes the other way. It, it feels like it's positively judgmental towards us that we. It, yeah, I guess I guess that that's I I'd like the positivity as well yeah, because it's yeah. you know sometimes you do just get tired. I don't want to be like this forever. I no. don't want to feel like this. I, I, I'm I'm getting that a lot from people that they they just find it exhausting mm-hmm. and the way we're being treated by systems is exhausting and that stigma and prejudice is exhausting and you know we want to get on with our lives we want to yeah. do things we want to contribute. and do good good things I, yeah, yeah. I um got a diploma in counseling yeah uh, i don't do it anymore right. um mainly because of, um it was really really bad wages actually right okay um yeah. but yeah i wanted to help other people yeah and um I think it does make me feel good. I want to do something positive with my life. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's really hard living this life. Um, it is. It is. It's a. It is. A if challenge. there was a bit more positivity in the system, then maybe there wouldn't be so many suicides. A bit of love, I think. Mm. Um, I think that's what it's down to. It is. It's. It's. I think. I mean, certainly for me, you know, it's having having a bit of love around me and 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 helping me learn to to love me too, and and it, it, it I don't know, it, it's really that simple. So, you know, with with things like Safeline, it's it's all about the relationship. You know, to this day, I I don't know what qualifications the woman who counselled mm. me had, and I don't care. Um, she she was brilliant. She uh, she would turn up, and she invariably had a big sack of books. She was carried carried around with her, and we talk and we talk. And then every so often, not not every session, she'd say, "Chris, I've got something just here for you." And she'd open her bag of goodies and she'd pull out something, and and it wasn't the sort of general book that might apply to my situation. It was the book, the paragraph that applied to my situation. You think. You're really listening to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, one thing that Ella said um, got me to pass the the message on to Safeline and saying, "Thanks for for giving me my husband back." And um, yeah, I'm I'm welling up while I'm thinking about it. You know, I'm 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 not cured by any set, mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination, but to it have, helped. someone helped you. My God, yeah, yeah, and to have that validation and that support and. You know, love, I guess, mm-hmm. is 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 out of this world, and that that letter is so dismissive, mm-hmm. so hateful, and yet so. But also saying typical. Do it yourself. They don't realise sometimes it's hard to even get dressed yeah. in a day. Um, but they know al- that. Let alone phone these people and. But they know that yeah. because we tell them. We tell them all the yeah. time. And the same with the um, personal independence payments. Yeah. I mean, I've been through the ring with those. <laughs> um, Citizens Advice are the, the best people on earth. Well, for, there, were, for there was Advocacy Alliance. Right, um, right. Um, Luckily for me, they, they set it all up for me. But then obviously you need your reviews. 
and they sent me, they wanted me to go at a time when I was, I was literally just out of hospital. Right. And my GP wrote to them and they said they didn't get the letter from the GP, but luckily they'd sent it recorded. So, um, oh, yeah, I've, I've got all that with me as well. Proof that it, everyone is setting us up to fail. Yes, that, that, that certainly, was, well, certainly sounds and, like and it. And why you? do we need a physical assessment? You don't. Uh, and you've already had assessments from a specialist who knows you well. They, they actually mm. ask on the form who is the person who knows you best. Yeah. And, and you send out them that information and, and for some reason they feel they have to give you a review and then... But also it's a um, borderline personality disorder isn't curable, it doesn't go away. You manage it better. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I would like to do, manage it better. Yeah, yeah. But why did it, oh, every three years, are you, are you cured yet? Yeah. Oh, no, it's incurable. No. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been reading a book by a guy who, who works with people with learning disabilities and the same thing happens. You know, they, 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 they've, they've got a learning disability, yeah. it doesn't go away, mm -hmm. and yet... They have to go through this rigmarole of reapplying, reapplying every every three years, and it's it's meaningless. And if you don't have the right people supporting you, yeah. you won't get it. Yeah. If you don't jump through the hoops in the right way at the right time, you won't get it. So you'll go from getting the maximum award to getting nothing, mm -hmm. and and all because you didn't know how to work the system. And yeah. surely the system should be there to ensure that you get what you're entitled to? Um, I wouldn't even say entitled to, but I work as much as I can. Yeah. And it's not enough to live on. No, crikey, no. I mean, Pip certainly isn't enough to live on, was it? Um, and how, how do I get people to come and be with me? Yeah. And um, I, I just haven't got that network. No, no. So. I, I think we... I, I see um, Pip as a bit of a compensation thing, actually, for being failed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't feel guilty. No, and neither you should. you should. You must not ever feel guilty about getting personal independence payment, ever. Because it, it is money, and, and I'll say it again, you're entitled to it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, we live in a society that is supposed to support our most vulnerable people, and, and that, that, that money should be and must be going towards that. So, but it is, it's another thing for us to feel guilty and ashamed about. Yeah, it seems a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've had people say to me, oh, you're free money. Wow. I feel like I, I earn every penny of it just by um, your, getting your, through the day. Your life yeah. to this point has been that, I, I don't know how people can even say that, but they do. Yeah, they do. And... Everyone expects so much of you yeah. all the time. They don't see, um, one of my friends has this analogy about you get given a certain min amount of spoons a day. Yes. And you, uh, I, I, like yeah. I like spoon theory. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. you wake up and you've got no spoons. Yeah. But, but it's non-judgmental, isn't it? So yeah. you think, well, I've got no spoons today. I'm mm -hmm. good. It's a Netflix day today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to or you're, you'll end up in crisis. Yeah, it's about without making doubt. making good judgments yeah, every day as yeah. well of what you can manage. Yeah, and not beating um, yourself up for not. But yeah. but it's harder to do that when we're already in a system that is stigmatizing, blaming us, blaming us mm -hmm. and prejudiced towards us, and sending out absolutely shit letters like that. I I waited November, December, January, February, March, say April. I six months for that letter. Yeah. <laughs> Which says nothing. It says nothing. Um, they, could, they could have saved my time and not, not bothered, you know, doing the assessment. They could have just saved my time and said, we're not going to help you, so just you can self-refer to these places. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not sat in limbo for six months. Maybe finally I'll get, get some help or something. Yeah. I... I I mean, the, the the sad thing about Safeline is it, it is time limited, but it's time, mm -hmm. time limited to a year. So a, a year support... That's better got, than six sessions, which... Yeah, um, and six sessions is meaningless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't form a relationship. And how are you, you know, in a system where you mistrust has built up mm -hmm. uh, because of the way you've been treated, 
you know, how, how are you supposed to clamber over that mistrust in a matter of six weeks? Nah, it's just not on. It's, it's, it's poor. <coughs> so. So I'm, I'm happy to help anyway, like I said. Brilliant, um, brilliant. I'm not a fan of London, but <laughs> I've, I've made myself do things like that before. Sure. You know, face, face your fears. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and do it anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, like I say, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I'm talking to people because I think nobody else is. Um, and I think as, uh, the more conversations we have, the more we raise awareness of this with the general public, not, not just with other, our fellow loonies, because our fellow mm -hmm. loonies, are, they're a great bunch of people. They're, they're very supportive of us. But we need the ma mainstream public. Mm -hmm. we, they need to be aware of, of what's going on, of, of what's happening to us, of, of institutional abuse that's going on, on right under their noses, on yeah. their watch, to us. Yeah. And there, there are professionals, like I say, I've, I've come across good people. My doctor, yeah, she, yeah. I'm sure she'd, she'd be happy to say... Yeah. She's got borderline personality, but she doesn't act like she's she's not manipulative at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, she's not a liar. She's not an attention seeker. Yeah. If anything, when she goes quiet is when I worry about her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, there are zillions of great psychologists, um, psychiatrists out there. I've spoken to them on my bloody podcast. You know, there are some really cracking people out there, but there's an awful lot of assholes mm -hmm. um and i don't think there's enough people speaking out when they see this bad behavior there's not enough happening to these people when they behave badly there are no sanctions there are no mm -hmm. repercussions so when somebody says oh that person i, I you know <clears throat> i'd rather shoot myself in the head than work with somebody with borderline personality yeah. disorder. There, there's no comeback there, there's no verbal warning there's no you can lose your job for being mm -hmm. that that stigmatizing and prejudicial there's nothing and we need that that needs to be in place um so um so that's that's my um my, my end of my ted talk okay uh, um, i really appreciate you coming along um and giving yeah. me your time i i agree with you things need to change so um it's hard to know how to go about that change and so, it's the most vulnerable group of people and it's all on us to do it That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, 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 a, it's a it's a big task but i think we'll be up for it okay i'm gonna say goodbye to you and, and thanks a lot for coming along okay thank you very much thank you emma bye huge thanks to emma for giving up her time to share her experiences i'm not entirely sure what to say after speaking with her in a world where we like our stories of abuse and mental ill health tied up in a, a lovely recovery bow, this doesn't really follow the script, does it? Emma's story isn't unusual. This is what's happening to people with the label of personality disorder every day. And yet, as I asked earlier, in a world of compete, competing demands in both social and mainstream media, how do we get our voices heard? It would be a great start if you shared this with someone who wouldn't ordinarily be involved in this sort of thing, with people with the label, their friends and families and professionals who often feel as helpless as we do. In the next, the final episode of the box set, I speak with Holly, no, a different Holly, who tells us about her experience of working in and alongside the NHS whilst lugging, lugging around a label of borderline personality disorder. Until the next time. Thanks for listening.